Welcome to 1001 Radio Days. This is your host, John Hagedorn. We're all new for 2023 and featuring a wide mix of variety shows from the golden age of radio to include comedy, music, drama, cop shows, and much more. For those of you who want non-stop crime buster and detective shows, you can now add 1001 Radio Crime Solvers to your podcast library. That's 1001 Radio Crime Solvers. Brand new for 2023 and growing fast. Meanwhile, 1001 Radio Days will be bringing back some memories along with some great entertainment every Wednesday and Sunday evening at 5 p.m. Eastern Time. And now, our show. Ladies and gentlemen, we suggest that you pay particular attention to an important announcement which will be given at the end of tonight's program. you're about to hear is true. Only the names have been changed to protect the innocent. Fatima Cigarettes, best of all long cigarettes, brings you Dragnet. You're a detective sergeant. You're assigned to personnel division. A resident of your city files a report of robbery and assault. The suspect, a rookie police officer. Your job, arrest him. If you want a long cigarette, smoke the best of all long cigarettes. Smoke extra mild Fatima. Yes, Fatima is the king-size cigarette, which contains the finest Turkish and domestic tobaccos superbly blended to make it extra mild, to give Fatima a much different, much better flavor and aroma than any other long cigarette. That's why Fatima has more than doubled its smokers coast to coast. Enjoy extra mild Fatima yourself. Best of all, long cigarettes. It's wise to smoke extra mild Fatima. It's wise to smoke extra mild Fatima. Dragnet, the documented drama of an actual crime. For the next 30 minutes, transcribed in cooperation with the Los Angeles Police Department, you will travel step by step on the side of the law through an actual case from official police files. From beginning to end, from crime to punishment, Dragnet is the story of your police force in action. It was Wednesday, April 9th. It was foggy in Los Angeles. We were working a day watch out of personnel. My partner's Ben Romero. The boss is Deputy Chief Holman, Commander BIA. My name's Friday. We're on the way over from the city hall, and it was 5.25 p.m. when we got to Central Division. The assembly room. How's the wife? You see him, Joe? Yeah. That looks like him over there. Hi. Are you Russell Clark? Yeah, that's right. Friday and Romero personnel. All right. Lieutenant Drummond over at BIA would like to talk to you. All right. When do you want to see me? Right now. Okay. Are you willing to the cap? Okay, let's go. What do they want to see me about, you know? Drummond will tell you. Okay. How long you been on the job, Clark? About two and a half months. How do you like it? Oh, I like it fine. Wife doesn't think much of it. She wanted me to stay at my old job. What was that? Selling insurance. 
I like to have you home tonight. Doesn't like to be alone, especially now. Yeah? Well, she's expecting you in a couple of months. You're not there yet. Yeah. That's close, yeah. Hey, I uh, put in a request for day work. Do you think that's why personnel wants to see me? I don't know. I don't think so. Boy, I'd sure like to get that day watch. Yeah. Is that the way you fellas started? I did, yeah. You started in traffic, didn't you, Ben? Yeah, uh huh. Had nine months, Ellie. Go ahead, Clark. No, thanks. I have to be on the job at six. Think it's going to take very long? I don't know. Hi, Friday. Hi. Go right in. Let's just waiting. Listen, Al Coleman. Lieutenant? Yeah, come in. This is Officer Clark, Lieutenant Drummond. How do you do, sir? Oh, hey, Clark. Sit down. Thanks. A couple of questions for you. Yes, sir. You were on special duty at the Olympic Auditorium last night, is that right? Yes, sir, for the fights. Anything unusual happen out there last night? Mm. Well, it wasn't very important, Lieutenant. Mm. After the fights, a drunk fell down the stairs on the way out of the auditorium, broke his arm. I took him to Georgia Street, and they took care of the arm, and... I drove him home. He was pretty drunk. Why didn't you book the man? I, I didn't think it was necessary. How long have you been with the department, Clark? Two and a half months, sir. Didn't you know he should have been booked for violation of 4127A LAMC? Well, the man was in pretty bad shape, Lieutenant. Broken arm. I, I guess I didn't think the law was that strict. Law is there for a purpose. You decided to forget it, now you're in a mess. Right up to your neck. I don't understand. You remember the name of that drunk you took care of last night? Yes, sir. His name was Stacy. Lives out in West L.A. What's the matter, Lieutenant? That drunk, Mr. Stacy, wants to file a complaint against you. What for? He claims you took him back at the auditorium, beat him up, broke his arm, and robbed him of $128. He's crazy. He's lying. I didn't do that. Got his word against yours, Clark. Facts seem to favor him. But I can prove it. Well, there there was at least a couple of dozen people around. There, There was a doctor, he can tell you. Maybe you better take it from the beginning, Clark. Exactly how did it happen? I was right after the fights. I was on duty in the lobby, and I saw a bunch of people crowding around the foot of the stairs. Yeah. I went over to see what the trouble was, and they were looking at this man lying on the pavement. It was Stacy. A doctor was examining him. This doctor, did he identify himself? Yeah. I asked for his identification. He, he showed it to me. Gave me a card. He was a doctor, all right. Yeah, go ahead. Well, he told me that he'd seen Stacy fall down the stairs coming out of the auditorium. Said that Stacy had broken his left arm. What'd you do then? Well, the doc said it'd be okay to move him, so I helped him into my car and took him down to Georgia Street. He was so drunk he could hardly stand up. The attendants at Georgia Street took care of his arm. Well, they can tell you all about this. Maybe, but they can't help you out as witnesses. You could have beaten up Stacy, robbed him, then taken him to Georgia Street. But I didn't, Lieutenant. I tell you that Stacy's lying. What'd you do when you left Georgia Street? Well, I drove into Central and told him what happened. I told the watch commander I was going to drive this Stacy home, and he warned me about it. Guess I should have known better, but... Well, I, I swear to you, this Stacy's lying. You should have known better. Where'd you go after you left Central? Well, I drove him home. On the way, he said he was hungry, so I stopped. I bought him a sandwich and some black coffee. Kept telling me what a nag his wife was, said he was afraid to go home. Go on. Well, when I got him to his place, his wife started chewing me out. I just said goodnight and left. That's it, huh? That's it. So help me, that's exactly what happened. Now, how about the doctor at the auditorium, the one who saw Stacy fall? Did you get his name and address? Well... No, no, Lieutenant, I didn't. I didn't think it was necessary. How about the crowd that was standing around? Did you spot anybody you know? No. No, no, I didn't. They're just a bunch of people coming out of the fights. Then you haven't got anyone to corroborate your story. But all those people saw it. There must have been a couple of dozen of them. What are their names? Well, I, I don't know. 
All I know is I didn't beat him up and I didn't take his money. I tell you, the Stacy's lying. You could be lying. We got no proof either way. I'm not lying, Lieutenant. I didn't do it. We might believe you, Clark. That doesn't make any difference. If this man files a 211 against you, it's got to be settled in court. But I, I didn't do it. I, I tell you, I swear I did. In just a minute. Mike, send him, Mr. and Mrs. Stacy, will you? You can hear the story the way we get it from Stacy and his wife. I'd like to hear it. I, I don't know why he's doing this. Tell me, I helped him all I could. Look, Jerry, there he is. That's the one. Yeah, that's him, Chief. Now, wait a minute, Mr. Stacy. What's this all about? Hold it, Clark. Mr. Stacy, would you repeat the same story you told us this morning, please? You know what I told you, Chief. You had the stenographer take it all down. It's the same thing. I'd like to have you repeat it in front of Officer Clark here. He's entitled to know what you're charging him with. A man like that's entitled to nothing. You ought to be ashamed of yourself. Look, lady, your husband's lying. Don't call my husband a liar. You're not a policeman. You're a hoodlum. All right, wait a minute. I'd like to know what this city's coming to. Cops going around beating up private citizens. Who do we trust if we can't trust a policeman? Just a minute, please. No, no, Captain. You should have seen my husband when that officer brought him home last night. Arm all bandaged, his face all cut up. He was hurt so bad he could hardly stand up. He was too drunk to stand up, lady. Don't you get fresh with me, man. All right, that's enough. This cop got hold of me as I was coming out of the fights. Took me in back of the auditorium. Told me if I didn't hand over my wallet, he'd book me on a drunk charge. Were you drunk, Stacy? I was not. Had a couple of beers, that's all. When I wouldn't give him my money, he beat me up. Broke my arm and took my wallet. How do men like you ever get on the police force? He figured he'd cover up, so he took me and had my arm fixed at the emergency hospital. Then he drove me home. Threatened me all the way. He said, you tell anybody about this and I'll get you. That's just what he said. I don't get it, Stacy. You know that story's a pack of lies. Why are you doing this to me? It's the truth. And I'm going to press charges and get my money back. $128. What have you done with it? We can take care of the questioning, Mrs. Stacy. I don't see you doing it. Make him tell. Where's our money? I haven't got it. Don't talk back to me. Mr. Stacy, you and your wife want to file a crime report at this time. We want to press charges. Romero? Yeah? Take Mr. and Mrs. Stacy down to the record bureau. Have them make out a report for 211 and so. Right. Get this away, please. Now, listen. We're going to get action if we have to take this to the district attorney. We're not afraid of the publicity. We'll go to the newspaper if we don't get action. Yes, ma'am. What's it, Clark? They're lying. I, ca- I can't prove it, but they're lying. Well, you can see the position it puts us in. If you're innocent, we'll do all we can. If you're guilty, we'll see you get everything that's coming to you. But they're lying. You know that. Not up to us. The court's going to have to decide. That's it. That's it. <laughs> No, there's no other way, Clark. We got 4,500 men in the department. We don't claim they're all saints. Once in a while, a bad cop comes along and pulls a caper, and all of us get a black eye. This book of rules is the only protection we got against that. By failing to enforce the law, you violated your duty as a police officer. Got yourself in a real mess, Clark. Like anybody else, you get a fair trial. Does that mean I'm dropping the force? And those people have filed a crime report. Draw suspension pending the outcome of the case. After that, if you're cleared... There'll be a hearing before the border rights. Right through right now? You'll be booked for robbery and assault and held in county jail. Case will be presented to the district attorney tomorrow. What can I do? I'll have to have your badge. On the desk. Your gun? Yeah. ID card. Yeah. On the desk. Yeah. All right, Joe, that's it. Okay. Take him. Uh... 
6 p.m., Ben returned to the office, and together we took rookie police officer Russell Clark across the street to the Hall of Justice. At the county jail booking desk on the 12th floor, he was booked on suspicion of 211 PC and assault with intent to do great bodily harm. He was lodged in the cell block. Investigating charges against a police officer involves exactly the same procedure as cases where private citizens are concerned. Prove the suspect innocent or guilty. That's the job. If Clark was innocent, it looked like there was only one way of proving it. That was somehow to find the unnamed doctor who was supposed to have seen Stacy fall down the auditorium stairs and then examined him afterward. If Clark was guilty, we had to find proof that his story about Stacy falling downstairs was a lie. Besides that, we had to find evidence that he beat up Stacy at the rear of the auditorium that night and that he robbed him of $128. Thursday, April 10th, Ben and I checked in for work at 7.45 a.m. and found a message from the jailer on the phone board. Clark wanted to see us right away. We met with him in the county jail interview room. How you doing? Not too bad. Don't let it sour you, huh? Sergeant, you really think I rolled that character? Come on, tell me the truth. We checked you out. Good family. You got a fine army record. No, we don't think you did it. I just can't understand why he picked me up. I tried to help him all I could. Then he walks in the next day with a frame story like that. You got any idea why Stacy would pull something like this on you? I don't know. I'm worried, Sergeant. Believe me, I, I, I can't afford to sit here missing my pay. We, we live pretty close to the budget with a baby coming. I'm worried about the wife. I just don't know what to do. Are you sure you told us everything about this that you remember? Well, that's the one reason I wanted to see you. I didn't sleep much last night. I kept trying to remember the name of that doctor. Yeah. I remember once he did mention his name, and then when I asked for his identification, he showed me one of his cards. Any idea what his name was? Well, I'm not sure, but as I remembered, it was some kind of a Swedish or Norwegian name, something like Johnson, Tollison, you know, something with a son on the end of it. It's on that card. That doesn't narrow it down too much. Where is it going? Well, I think I put his card in one of the pockets of my other uniform shirt. That's why I called you. I wonder if you could check that for me. It's at home. Sure. Where do you live? Out on Norwich Road, 411. It's right near the Coliseum. Or... 11. Yeah. All right, we'll check it out for Just you. Just ask the wife, will you? Card should be in one of the pockets. Yeah, if you put it there. Ben and I left the interview room at the county jail and drove out to the home of Officer Clark on Norwich Road. We introduced ourselves to his wife and told her what we were after. Her eyes were red and looked like she'd been crying. She asked about her husband. We told her he was all right. They're making a terrible mistake, Sergeant. Russ never did anything crooked in his life. He didn't do it. I know he didn't. We'll do everything we can to straighten it out, Mrs. Lloyd. The court will have the final say. I knew Russ shouldn't have left his insurance job. I just knew it, all this trouble. How about that shirt that your husband told us about, the one he wore that night at the auditorium? Oh, yes, his other uniform shirt. Mm -hmm. Can we see it, please? Yes, certainly. It's right this way, back in bed. What's so important about the shirt, Sergeant? Your husband told us that there might be a card in one of the pockets. Might help clear up things. Well, it should be hanging up here in the closet. I always like to keep Russ's shirts on hangers. He keeps them much nicer looking. What's the matter? This morning I sent it to the cleaners. Clark's wife, Ben, and I drove down to a dry cleaning shop a few blocks away where Mrs. Clark had left the shirt. The counter girl there told us that the truck had already been by that morning and picked up the day's cleaning. It was a store rule to check all garments for contents. She had found nothing. We got the address of the main plant, the Great Northern Dry Cleaners, a place down on Factory Street. 
10.15 a.m. We checked in at the main plant and explained to the manager what we were after. We gave him the tag number of her cleaning, and Mrs. Clark gave him the description of the shirt. We waited in the manager's office while he made a search for the dark blue wool police shirt. How about this one, lady? It's the only blue wool shirt picked up at your cleaners this morning. Yes, that's Russ's shirt. That pocket flap there, I mended it. I'll check the pockets for you. I had to pull it out of the tank. It's all wet. Yeah, in this pocket. Try the other one. Yeah? Look for yourself. Nothing. You are listening to Dragnet, the case history of a police investigation presented in the public interest by Fatima Cigarettes. If you smoke a long cigarette, it will be in your interest to listen to a typical case history of a Fatima smoker. It's the case of Northwest Airlines stewardess Jean Madsen. This is her actual signed statement. There's one thing I really look forward to after a long flight. A good, mild smoke. That's why I prefer the new king-size Fatima. It's milder than any other long cigarette I've tried. Yes, I agree. It's wise to smoke extra mild Fatima. And so do more and more smokers every day. Actual figures show extra mild Fatima has more than doubled its smokers coast to coast. So enjoy extra mild Fatima yourself. The king-size cigarette, which contains the finest Turkish and domestic tobaccos, superbly blended to make it extra mild. You will prefer... Fatima's much different, much better flavor. You will agree. It's wise to smoke extra mild Fatima. It's wise to smoke extra mild Fatima. The best of all long cigarettes. Thursday, April 10th. Shortly after noon, the daily newspapers were on the streets and the head on one of the top front page stories read... Rookie cop slugs rob citizen. Ben and I went back to the county jail and told Clark that we'd failed to find the card. He could give us no other lead that might help in clearing the case. During the next two days that followed, Ben and I ran down every possible lead, no matter how remote it was. We made a thorough check on Mr. and Mrs. Stacy. We double-checked back on Clark's record. For one full day, we did nothing but phone doctors in and around the city of Los Angeles. From a list of hundreds, we came across three doctors who had been present at the fights in Olympic Auditorium on the night Stacy claimed he was beaten up and robbed by Officer Clark. None of the three had seen a man tumble down the stairway leading from the balcony to the lobby. None of them had seen any accident or had been called on to help anyone professionally. Monday, April 14th, we met with Lieutenant Ralph Drummond. No go, huh? Thanks, got us, Ralph. We can't figure. It's almost a fact Stacy's lying. Clark, what about him? Well, there's still nothing to show that he didn't do it. He had the opportunity. Maybe he had a motive. He needs money, you know. Who doesn't? How much you get on Stacy? He and his wife run a second-hand furniture store in South Flower. It's a small business. Stacy's quite a gambler. He bets on the fights. Yeah? He checked around with some of the gang down at the auditorium. Stacy's well-known down there. He laid some pretty heavy bets the night he claims Clark rolled him. How much? You got the dope there, Ben. How's it figure out? Well, he lost over $75 in small amounts. Add to that the fact that he was doing some partying. That might account for the 128 this missing. Stacy blew the roll, was afraid to tell his wife, so he cooked up the story against Clark. Yeah, sure. Maybe that could have been the way it happened. What do you got on the other side? 
Not much, Ralph. Couldn't dig up anything against Clark. I don't know. He doesn't seem like the type to pull something like that. Maybe not. We still can't prove he didn't do it. How about the papers? You've been plugging for witnesses? Yeah. Here's the ad. Had it running in personals for four days now. Oh, thanks. All those saw men fall down the stairway. The auditorium. Today, please call Michigan 521-875. No, he's also. No. All the possible doctors in town have been checked out, too. How about the local medical magazines? Got an ad in there, Ralph. Nothing's happened. Mm-hmm. Well, one thing is sure. Something's got to happen. Newspapers are scorching the kid in the department along with him. Victim without a trial makes good reading in the tabloids. There's one thing I can't understand. If Clark's leveling and there was a doctor at the fights that might have looked at Stacy, then where's the doctor? We've had this thing noised all around town. Well, give it a little more time, he might turn up. I kind of like the Stacy angle. What do you mean? Well, suppose we get him in here. Think we could break him down into questioning? Oh, no, I doubt that. We can't even get close to him. That wife of his and that lawyer, they're with him all the time. He's afraid to talk to us. Mm. Maybe if we pass the word to his wife, he'd been gambling. How far could we go on that? Well, she might believe us, she might not. You've seen what she's like. Yeah. I got an idea. He sold her on a story, and she's tagging along to get the $128 back. It gives me an idea, Joe. One thing we might have missed. Yeah, what's that? We found out that Stacy did a little partying before we went to the fights at the auditorium that night, didn't we? Yeah, go ahead. We checked out a couple of the bars he was drinking at, but we figure he must have parted away at least 50 out of that $128. Mm-hmm. He didn't spend that much at the bars. Oh, well, sure. He probably hit a few other places, too. That's what I mean. That's still a lot of money to drink up alone. You figure a woman? Maybe. You got any reason to think Stacy plays around? Just one. Yeah? His wife. Monday, 1 p.m. Ben and I started the canvas of bars and small nightclubs in the general area around the Olympic Auditorium. We started with those where Stacy was a regular customer. We failed to turn up any leads. Either the bartenders refused to tell us or they had no knowledge of Stacy's running around with other women. We kept at it. Another day passed. Two days. Nothing. One of the newspapers started a campaign against the brutality of police officers. On Thursday, we got a tip from a bartender at a place out on Washington Street, the Brown Cow. He told us that he thought he saw a man answering Stacy's description in his bar a few nights before with a flashy blonde in her late 20s. He said he didn't know Stacy too well, but he knew the girl, and he knew the hotel where she stayed. Her name was Sandra Gay, an acrobatic specialty dancer at the Cheap Nightclub. We checked out her hotel, but she wasn't in. We left word for her to get in touch with us, and then we picked up a hamburger and some potato salad for lunch and checked back in at the office. How you doing, Coleman? I'm as good as you two. How do you mean? Can't you smell a perfume? Hmm? It's off a blonde named Sandra Gay. She's waiting in the next room. Won't talk to anybody but you. Thanks. Come on, Ben. Didn't waste much time, did she? Perfume. Sure strong. Your name, Sandra Gay? Yeah, that's right. You the fellas been looking for me? Drop by your hotel. We'd like to ask you a few questions. Sure, it's all right. This is my partner, Sergeant Romero. My name's Friday. How are you doing? Hello, Romero. Kind of cute for a cop. What can I help you with? Do you know anybody by the name of Gerald Stacy, Miss Gay? Gerald, yeah, I hate that name. Do you know any man who calls himself that? No. I think that's a terrible name for a man, Gerald. The man we have in mind is pretty short, stocky build, dark hair, and he wears steel-rimmed glasses. Yeah, where's he hang out? Place out in Washington, the brown cow. Supposed to have been seen with you. Gerald Stacy. Oh, 
Yeah, I think I know what you mean. Furniture business runs a place near the brown cow. That's right. You know him? Oh, Pop, sure I know him. They get together once in a while. He's a kick. Pretty big spender? Yeah, he's got, yeah. Last time we went out, he was fine. He can kick it around when he wants to. <laughs> oh, Pops. When's the last time you were out with him, Miss Gay? Uh, maybe a week, two weeks ago. The Tuesday night, I think, yeah. Tuesday the 8th? Is that about right? Yeah, it must have been. Why was it all about? Did you spend most of the evening with him? No, I had to get back to the club, do my act. He went on to the fights over at Olympia. I get it. Personnel, Friday. Is this Sergeant Friday? Yes, that's right. This is Dr. Samuelson talking, Sergeant. I've been out of town. I just got back this morning. I saw the ad in the paper. Yes, sir. I was at the fights that night, Sergeant. What did you want to know? Would you mind telling us, Doctor, did you see a man fall down one of the stairways to the lobby? Certainly. I was the one who examined him. Five p.m. Mr. and Mrs. Stacy were called to Lieutenant Drummond's office. Arrangements were made to have Officer Russell Clark brought over from his cell in county jail. At five fifteen, Ben and I checked into the lieutenant's office. Stacy and his wife were already there. Certainly proud of our police department, Chief. No whitewashing this time. You gave that fellow exactly what he had coming. Thanks. You sure you didn't make a mistake? I'm sure, Chief. That's the right man. You got him. Jerry, don't make mistakes on things like this, Inspector. How about our money, the 128? He tell you where he hid it? No, he hasn't. We're bringing Officer Clark in from county jail. Figure we try to crack him. That's right. Make him tell what he did with our money. Joe, will you have Officer Clark brought in? By the way. All right. There he is. Where's our money? What have you done with it? Just a minute, please. Stace, are you sure Officer Clark here is the man who beat you up and robbed you? Of course he is. Dragged me behind the auditorium and almost beat me to death. Broke my arm, took all my money. $128. Where is it? I haven't got your money. Joe, bring the doctor in. I understand. In here, Doctor. All right. Mr. Stacy, you're a liar. This officer didn't break your arm. I saw you fall down a flight of stairs at that auditorium and break your own arm. I examined it. Jerry, who is this man? What about it, Stacy? He doesn't know what he's talking about. I never saw him before in my life. No, but I've seen you, Stacy. You were drunk. I saw you fall down those stairs. You're crazy. Joe, send Miss Gay in. All right. All right, Miss Gay. Okay, thanks. You have a strong perfume. You recognize any of these people, Miss Gay? Hello, Pops. I don't know you. Don't you remember the perfume you give it to me? Who is this woman? Just a friend, honey. All right, Stacy. now let's have it straight. It was all a mistake. I don't want to make trouble for anybody. It wasn't this cop's fault. I don't want to make any trouble. What about this woman? It was all a mistake, believe you me. You took that money, Gerald. You spent it on her. Now, wait a minute. Causing all this trouble, squandering our money. After all I did for you, you're no good. This time I'm through. All right, Clark, let's go. Okay. Well, that's it. I don't know how to thank you, fellas. And doctor's the best friend you've got. Yeah. Yeah, I better call a wife she want to know. Friday, phone message for you here. Oh, thank you. From your wife, Clark. Yeah? She found that doctor's card. The story you have just heard was true. Only the names were changed to protect the innocent. On September 2nd, trial was held in Municipal Court, Division 7, City and County of Los Angeles, State of California. In a moment, the results of that trial. It's amazing 
how many long cigarette smokers are changing to extra mild Fatima. Here is the actual report. From coast to coast, extra mild Fatima has more than doubled its smokers. Yes, more and more smokers every day are discovering that Fatima is the king-size cigarette that is extra mild. Extra mild because it contains the finest Turkish and domestic tobaccos superbly blended to make it extra mild, to give it a much different, much better flavor and aroma. Enjoy extra mild Fatima yourself. Best of all long cigarettes. It's wise to smoke extra mild Fatima. It's wise to smoke extra mild Fatima. Gerald Stacy was tried on charges of filing a false crime report. He was convicted under Section 5250 LAMC and served his term as prescribed by law. Officer Russell Clark was returned to duty with full back pay. Ladies and gentlemen, in response to thousands of letters asking us to broadcast Dragnet at an earlier hour so that the entire family might hear it, we wish to announce that summer scheduling enables us to fulfill these requests. Beginning next Thursday, June 8th, Fatima Cigarettes will bring you Dragnet one half hour earlier over most of these stations. Consult your local newspaper for exact time. You have just heard Dragnet, a series of authentic cases from official files. Technical advice for Dragnet comes from the office of Chief of Police W.A. Wharton, Los Angeles Police Department. Fatima Cigarettes, best of all long cigarettes, has brought you Dragnet, transcribed from Los Angeles. Hear your favorite Jack Birch tomorrow on NBC. Dragnet. Dragnet, the documented drama of an actual crime. For the next 30 minutes, in cooperation with the Los Angeles Police Department, you will travel step-by-step step on the side of the law through an actual case transcribed from official police files. From beginning to end, from crime to punishment, Dragnet is the story of your police force in action. It was Friday, March 16th. It was damp in Los Angeles. We were working the night watch out of homicide. My partner's Ben Romero. The boss is Thad Brown, chief of detectives. My name's Friday. It was 11.45 p.m. when we got to where we'd parked our car. Second in Maine. A couple of drops on the windshield. Yeah, I hope it holds off. I was thinking of going out to see the Cubs and Pirates play an exhibition game tomorrow. Guess maybe now I won't. You might be lucky. What's the weatherman say? Mm-hmm. Get the radio off. Yeah. It's a slow night. Yeah. Uh-huh. Might not be tomorrow night. What? March 17th, isn't it? Oh, yeah. 62A, call your station. 
All units in vicinity of 102 South Virgil, 211 and shooting, code 3. It's a hot one. All units in vicinity Out of 102 South Virgil, 211 and shooting, code 3. Unit 13, take the call. Happy St. Patrick's Day. 11.58 p.m., we arrived at 102 South Virgil, the Bartlett Hotel, a four-story building. Sergeant Scheimer met us in the lobby and informed us that the shooting took place at 11.40 p.m. in room 432, occupied by Mr. and Mrs. Theodore V. Benham. Mrs. Benham was the victim. We went up to the fourth floor where Officer McCready was stationed outside the room. Any witnesses? Only Benham says it was a thief. Did you talk to any of the people on this floor? None of them saw anything. They're all in their rooms. Any other way out of here? That stairway in the rear leads to the roof. I took a look. Nothing up there. Mm-hmm. Where's Benham? Across the hall, lying down. Cox is with him. Okay. Let's look at the body. We went into the room, a dreary place with a single light hanging from the center of the ceiling. The carpet was faded and worn in spots. On the north side were a closet and a bathroom. Against the east wall was a dresser. Across the room was a double bed, and at the foot of the bed, a window looking out over the roofs of adjoining buildings and the marquee of a movie house down the street. A steamer trunk was in the corner, and a straight-back chair was next to the door. The mirror of the dresser was smashed, and on the dresser, a Gideon Bible. On the bed was the body of a woman sprawled face down. There were several splotches of blood on her coat. On the chair was a 32-20 revolver, which McCready said belonged to Benham, the husband of the murdered woman. We asked McCready to put in a call to the crime lab, and we went across the hall to question Benham. This is an awful shock. I'm not feeling well. I'm under doctor's care. Hemophilia. Awful shock. Sit down, please. Yes. I... I don't know what it'll do to me. I should be in the sanitarium right now. We'll see you're taken care of. Lincoln Sanitarium in Eagle Rock. Could you tell us what happened tonight? Why, yes. We... My wife and I went out to the Sycamore Cafe over in Alvarado. What time was that? Oh, about 9.30. Got a couple of drinks and something to eat. Listened to a piano player, then came home. I unlocked the door and Elizabeth went in first, went over to the dresser. I just walked over to her when a man stepped out of the closet in the back of us. He had a gun. Mm-hmm. Can you describe him? I don't know, I don't know. Did you see his face? No. He had a blue bandana over his face and he had a cap on, a blue and white check. Did you notice his clothes? No, no, I didn't. Anything else? He seemed very nervous and he wasn't holding the gun still. My wife was opening a purse and I said, well, I haven't got very much, but I'll give you what we have. And he fired and hit Elizabeth. I pulled my gun from my overcoat and started shooting. Are you in the habit of carrying a gun? No. No, no, I'd noticed suspicious-looking men follow me lately, so I bought one. Is uh, this the gun here? Yeah. Then what happened? Well, I fired all the bullets. I don't know how I missed the room. Small. Kept moving around all the time. Mm-hmm. But uh, I guess I did miss. Then he ran out of the room. But how old would you say this man was? Officer, I haven't the faintest idea. Uh, see you a minute, Sergeant. Sure. We'll be back, Mr. Benham. This has been an awful shock to me. wonder how his wife felt. McCready told us that Sergeant Scheimer had found a woman in the Nevada Hotel next door who might know something. We went next door and questioned Mrs. Caroline Cromwell, a resident of the hotel. She occupied room 415 on the top floor. She told us that about 20 seconds after she heard the shots, she looked out the door of her room and saw a man come down the back stairs which leads to the roof of the hotel, and enter room 402. She'd seen the man several times and was positive of her identification. 
Sergeant Shermer said the man was registered as Jack Morrison. We went to room 402. Try it again. Who's that? Police officer. What do you want? I'd like to ask a couple of questions. I was going to bed. We'd like to talk to you. Won't take very long. All right. What do you want to know? How long you been in your room? About 10 minutes. Why? Where were you? After the movie. Which one? Right down the street. Why are you asking me all these questions? You been drinking? A little. Not much. Mind if we look around a little? I was out all the time. I didn't know nothing about a shooting. And you won't mind if we look around. You won't find nothing here. These all the clothes you've got? Yeah. Is this your coat? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You wearing this tonight, were you? No. It's the only coat in the closet. What'd you do with the coat you were wearing? Guess I was wearing that one. Did you spill it? What? A bottle of whiskey. That broke. How? How do I know? Got a hole here in the sleeve. What'd you do with a broken bottle? Threw it away. Where? I don't know. On the street. Yo, I found something. Shirt. Stuck down between the wall and the bathtub. Looks like blood on it. Is this yours? Where's the shirt you wore tonight? Take off your pajama top. Why? Take it off. All right. But I didn't have nothing to do with that shooting next door. What happened to your arm? Guy shot at me. Who? I don't know. I bought a bottle and had a couple of drinks and went to the movie for a little while. Would you mind moving away from the bed, please? No, no. Thank you. I came out of the movie because I was getting dizzy. And I went up on the roof here to get some air. While I was standing there, a guy ran across the roof and shot at me. What did the man look like? I don't know. He came from the roof of the hotel next door and ran into this place. How big was he? It was dark. I couldn't see. What did you do? Well, after I was sure he was gone, I came down. I was going to have my arm fixed in the morning. Better get your clothes on. Why? Well, you got a pretty bad arm. You better have it fixed up. We'll take you to George Street Receiving Hospital. It's all right. I don't have to go there. Find anything, Ben? No. You got a clean shirt? No. Well, you better wear your pajama top then. Oh, here's something. What did you say your name is? Jack Mars. Here's a card I found in the closet. It says, Tommy Kane, report for work, Joe's Cafe, 8 o'clock, March 1st. Who's Tommy Kane? That's me. Where are you from? Elgin, Illinois. How old are you? I'm 22. Why'd you leave Elgin? No work. I... Been bumming around. You ever been arrested? I was picked up on a vague charge a month ago. Here? Yeah. I don't know why you guys are bothering with me. When somebody gets shot, we bother. 1.30 a.m., we took King to Georgia Street Receiving Hospital where they found that a muscle in his upper right arm had been severed and the right side of his chest was bruised. Before taking him to Ward 1300 General Hospital for further treatment, we took him back to the roof of the Nevada Hotel. Still trying to rain. Yeah. Where were you standing when you got shot at, King? Right over there. I was leaning against the bricks. Where'd the man come from? Out of that door in the other roof. The roof of the Bartlett Hotel? Yeah. 
Was he running when he shot at you? Yeah, yeah, he was. Where'd he run? Right across here where we are. Then he went through this door here into the Nevada Hotel. Did you notice anything unusual about him? Well, his face was covered with a handkerchief and he wore a checkered cap. Thought you said before it was too dark. I could see that. I mean, you know, I could see that. I couldn't see his face. And you were standing over there by the parapet? Yeah. Uh, about, uh, about, about here? Yeah, that's it. Mm-hmm. All right, let's get over the roof of the Bartle. It's a little high. Can I help you over? No. Come on, Ben. Ever been in this hotel before, Kane? No. Everything all right, McCready? Yeah. Crime lab's here. Check of the murder room. Ben, I'm away. I think so. Mr. Benham? Yes? Mind if we come in? Of course not. You ever seen this man before? Let me see. Can you stand over there in the light? My eyes aren't as good as they used to be. Okay. Move over there. How's that? That's better. This the man who shot your wife? No, that's not the man. We left instructions for another car to take Theodore Benham to the Lincoln Sanitarium in Eagle Rock. We took Kane to Ward 1300 General Hospital. 2.42 a.m. We arrived back at the Bartlett Hotel where police chemist Ray Pinker had finished his examination. Three slugs, 38 caliber, and five slugs, 3220, were found in the mattress and the walls, all on the same side of the room. On the floor of the room were found a piece of white cloth and some brown threads. Ray Pinker returned to the crime lab while Ben and I made a search of both hotels, the incinerators, the alley, and all likely places for the missing 38. was not found. 3.48 a.m., Ben went to the record bureau to check on any possible criminal record Kane might have had. I went to the crime lab to see what Ray Pinker had found. Yeah, nothing on this one. Must have been a clean mess. And yeah, nothing on these four 3220s. Mm-hmm. Where'd you find those? Dug the 38 out of the window frame. 3220s are in the south and east walls. How about the others here? Well, on these two 38 slugs, I found minute portions of threads. They compare with the dress and coat one of the deceased. Mm-hmm. Hi. Hey, Ben. I checked King's record. He told the truth. Nothing more than a vague charge, huh? Mm. How's this coming? There's threads on two of the 38 slugs. And on one of the 3220s. Yeah. Same kind of threads? Yeah, same kind. 3220, that's the gun Benham used. Yeah. Did you check the cloth yet? I will right now. Benham must have been shooting awful while. Where'd you find that 3220 slug, Ray? On the floor near the bed. Nothing on any of the other 3220s. No. Yeah, this piece of cloth matches the shirt. How about the coat and those threads? Got only a couple of threads that might match. Let me have a coat. Here you are. We better have Benham take another look at Kane, huh? Yeah, I guess so. I could use a cup of coffee. How about you? Yeah, as soon as we get finished. How about it, Ray? Yeah, you better make it. Yeah, a match. Well, that's it, huh? Oh, one more thing. Yeah. Fresh stains on the carpet of that room. What kind? Whiskey. March 18th, we picked up Benham at Lincoln Sanitarium and drove him to the General Hospital. Three times he asked us to stop someplace so he could have a drink. We told him he'd have to wait. 
We arrived at Ward 1300 at 1.40 p.m., and Kane was brought out. Take a good look, Mr. Ben. No, that isn't the man. I'm sure of it. All right, Kane, tie this handkerchief over your face. No, no, this way. That's right. Now put on this cap. Okay, now stand over there, please. Now, a little further. That's good. All right, Mr. Ben. You know, his eyes and forehead look a little familiar, but I don't know. Well, my nerves are all shot. I can't be positive. I'm a sick man. All right, Kane. Wish I could help you, boys. So do we. Come along, please. Uh, you don't have to take me back to the sanitarium. Just take me to his streetcar. I'll make it all right. We'll take you. Sergeant. Yeah. Could I see you a minute? Sure. Did you notice anything when you first brought Kane out of the ward? No. You must have been closing the door. Yeah, I was. And that man, Benham, he winked at him. We took Benham back to his sanitarium. On the way, he asked if he could be excused from testifying at the inquest and preliminary hearing. We told him it couldn't be done. 7 p.m., Ben and I returned to the general hospital and took Kane into a small room adjoining the prison ward. After three hours of interrogation, he stuck to his story. Cigarette, Kane? Thanks. How's on? All right. Hurts a little now. When are you guys going home? When we get a straight story. I've been telling you all I know. Yeah, you've been telling us the same story for two days, but it doesn't hold water. What do you mean? How do you account for the fact that parts of your clothing were found in that room? I told you before, you must have made a mistake. No, no, it's no mistake. Mr. Benham's starting to think he recognizes you. What? Why'd he wink at you? He didn't wink at me. We got somebody here who saw him. And he seems to think whoever did the shooting didn't take the gun with him. When we drove him back to sanitarium, he asked us if we found it yet. He thinks we will. How long has Benham lived in L.A.? A long time. How long? Why do you want to know how long he's lived here? Is a dead woman really his wife? Well, certainly she's his wife. Why? Where's he been since the shooting? In the sanitarium in Eagle Rock. What's the matter with him? Hemophilia. You know what that is? No. You sure that was his wife? Positive. She wasn't a stool pigeon? Stool pigeon? Where'd you get that idea? You guys never saw her before? Never. You never heard of her? Kane, what's eating you? Did you check on her? We always do. You don't make mistakes on anything like that, do you? Not at all. Look, she was a pretty nice woman from all we could find out. Happily married for 30 years. Something's wrong. What, Kane? What's wrong? Whole setup. Yeah? Yeah. What'd Benham say about me? We told you. He says you look a little bit like the man. Did you say anything else? He winked at you, Kane. Why? She wasn't a bad-looking woman. Wasn't she, Kane? All right, now how about it? You guys swear that was his wife? Yeah. Okay, I'll tell you where the 38 is. Where? The mattress on the roof of the Nevada Hotel. Benham cut a hole in it that day. He told me to hide the gun there after the shooting. All right, let's have a look. I don't want anybody to know I'm telling you this. Why? Benham's a real smart guy. He's got a gang. He's in on it as much as I am. Yeah? He double-crossed me. He tried to kill me. I'm going to jail. He's going with me. Maybe he will. Kane told us that he had known Benham for about two months. During that time, Benham helped him along by giving him a couple of dollars every once in a while. On March 11th, Benham got Kane a room in the Nevada Hotel and gave him $20 to buy a gun, which Kane did. On March 15th, he gave Kane a blue bandana and a checkered cap. 
On March 16th, he told King that he'd been sent by a gang in Chicago to kill a woman who was a stool pigeon. He promised Kane $100 for his help. Early that evening, Benham told Kane how to enter their room and where to hide. When they came home, Benham stood by the door. Kane stepped out of the closet and, after a few words, shot the woman. As he moved toward the bed, Benham started shooting at him. Kane ran from the room and hid the gun in the mattress on the roof, then went to his room and flushed the cap and bandana down the drain. 11.15 p.m., Ben and I found the gun where Kane said it would be. 38 Special Detective, Colt Revolver, 2-inch barrel, number 381327. 11.52 p.m., we checked and found no evidence that Benham belonged to any kind of a gang. March 19th, 9 a.m., Ben and I reported into homicide and picked up Captain Steed. We went over to Dr. Wagner to learn his autopsy report. It showed that the deceased had been shot three times. Two 38 slugs and one 3220 were recovered from the victim's body. They were initial for evidence. 8 p.m., Captain Steed, Ben, and I went to the sanitarium and told Benham that there were a few angles we wanted to clear up before the inquest next morning. Benham got dressed, and we drove back to the Bartlett Hotel. It was raining. I'm still trying to remember what happened. I was very shocked that night. Yeah, I suppose you were. Well, sometimes my memory comes back for a little bit. The red light. Yeah, I see. You know, the man who did the shooting knew you lived in room 432. And he knew you'd be gone that night. How do you suppose he figured that out? Well, I've been noticing that a lot of men have been following me. Suspicious-looking men. I told that to Sergeant Friday, didn't I, Sergeant? Yeah, that's right. Must have been one of them. You ever give money to characters on the street so much they might follow you? Hey, that must be it. Many times I used to do that. I'd be nice to them. They'd try to make friends. You remember any of them? Yeah, yeah, I do. There was a uh, man Dorsey and Jolly Swanson... And a fellow named Kane. Uh, Lane. Kane? Yeah, that, that's it, Kane. There you are. There you are. Uh, the young man you took me to see in the hospital. I, I'm, I'm thinking, I believe that's Kane. Are you sure? Quite sure. He's the burglar. What makes you think he was a burglar? Well, what else would he be? He didn't rifle any of the drawers or steal anything, did he? he must have got there just before us. Did you have anything important there? Uh, yes, some insurance policies. And your wife? Yeah. How much? Well, one policy for 4000 and two for 2500 each. Who's the beneficiary? Well, I am. We took Benham up to room 432, where he got out the insurance policies on his wife and showed them to us. Then Captain Steed asked him to reenact the shooting. Benham acted as the killer. I played Benham. And Ben acted as his wife. Well, uh, the man was over here in the closet. My wife and I came in that door, and my wife went over to the dresser. Oh, over here? Did you turn on the light? Oh, yeah, and then I closed the door and went over behind her. Like this? No, uh, she was closer to the bed. Uh, here? Yeah. Were you standing next to her? Yeah. Did you start to take off your coat? Well, I was just going to when this man stepped out of this closet here. How far? Oh, here. Yeah, yeah right here. And then what? Well, he held the gun in his hand and asked how much money we had, and Elizabeth said we didn't have much. From here? Yeah, but, but, but she turned around. Like this? Yeah, that's it. What happened then? Well, then I said I haven't got very much, but I'll give you what we have, and he started shooting. Yeah, but you said before that your wife started looking in her purse. Uh, yeah, that's it. She did. I forgot. And that made him think she was going after a gun. How do you know? Well, I, I suppose that's what he thought. He shot, and Elizabeth fell on the bed... I pulled out my gun and started shooting, and the man ran out the door, and that's all. 
That's exactly what happened, huh? Just as I remember it. Will I help you? Not very much. What's the matter? Well, if you were standing where I am, there'd be bullet holes on uh, that side of the room there, wouldn't there? They're all on this side. Oh, I see. I, I got it. Come with me. Where are you going? On the roof. What for? I want to show you something. Yeah, it's raining. There are two umbrellas in the closet. I'll get them. Why do you want to go up there? I, I think I know where that gun might be hidden. I bet it's there. Here, you take this umbrella. Thanks. We'll take this one, Captain. Let's go. I bet it's up there. We'll find it. You got your flashlight, Ben? Yeah. Should be around here somewhere. What? A mattress. My wife used to take sun baths on it. Where would it be? Oh, just about here. I don't see any. You sure it's up here? I bet it's on the next roof. Didn't you say Kane lived in that hotel? He probably moved it. Hey. Flash your light over there behind that elevator shaft. There? Yeah, there. You see it? We have to climb over this parapet to get on the other roof. Watch it, Captain. It's pretty slippery. Okay. Yeah, it is slippery. This mattress here? That's it. Take a look, Joe. Right. No, nothing here. Did you look all around there? Did you look in the corners? No. Well, that'd be a good place to hide a gun, don't you think? Here, let me see. There might be a hole cut in one of them. No, maybe the other corner. No. Well, maybe this one. Yeah, you see, the mattress has been cut. No. No, it's, it's got to be here. Where is it? It's, it's here, I tell you. It's here. I know it's here. I'll find it. I'll find it. You wait. You'll see. I'll get it. I know it's here. I'll find it. You wait, I'll get it. I get, I get it. It's getting wet, Joe. We got the 38 Kane told us about it. You ready to talk? Yeah. Insurance. That why you did it? Yeah. I'm a sick man. Let's go, Benham. On your feet. This is the United States Armed Forces Radio Service, the voice of information and education. Thanks for joining us at 1001 Radio Days, your home for the best of Golden Age Radio, when radio was king. If you enjoyed tonight's show, please do take a moment and send us a review. We always appreciate reviews, and they help new listeners find us. Until next time, this is your host, John Hagedorn. Stay safe, and we'll be back soon at 1001 Radio Days. And one note, don't forget to pick up 1001 Radio Crime Solvers. That's 1001 Radio Crime Solvers.